I thank God for this wonderful day and this time that we have. We have set this time aside. It's called Mission Celebration. Uh, we do it every April, every October. We want to uh, bring in our, some missionaries to share their heart with us so that they can express to us what God is doing in the area that they've been called to serve. Uh, we believe very strongly in partnering with missionaries. That's how, partly how we fulfill the Great Commission. You know, we're here on this earth to make disciples of all nations, the Bible. That, that's the Great Commission. And so, a uh, part of us helping to fulfill the Great Commission is not just prayerfully supporting missionaries, although that is important in what we do, uh, but also financially supporting them. Uh, and you're going to be hearing more about that in a few moments. Uh, but this right now, I want to introduce to you uh, Brother Joe Zabel. He's going to minister in our Spanish service. He's our resident missionary to Spain. Come on, give him a warm welcome. There's Brother Joe. Good to have them. Uh, by the way, they'll both be available for, uh, out in the foyer. Uh, they have a table out there that you can go visit them uh, and talk to them if you'd like to hear more specific about their ministry that they're not going to cover on the platform. Uh, and today uh, we have Brother uh, Brian Webb, who is a new missionary to the Belmont family, who is in uh, Pacifica Oceana. Brother, would you come on up? Uh, give him a warm welcome and greet him. And we're going to hear what God is doing through their ministry. Hey, my brother, let me turn that off for you. Good morning. How are y'all? Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to be here. Just waiting on a, on a video to roll. There we go. So we are Brian and Renee Webb. God's blessed us with four amazing children a daughter in love, and simply the most beautiful granddaughter in the world. For 24 years, we've served as missionaries in the Pacific, mostly in the Republic of Vanuatu. Our ministry in Vanuatu focused on pioneer evangelism and church planting among unreached tribes. Three years ago, Renee and I were asked to serve as area directors for Pacific Oceana. So allow me to introduce you to Pacific Oceana, the world's largest mission field. Pacific Oceana encompasses a third of the Earth's surface, 23 nations, 40 million people, spread out over 30,000 islands, speaking more than 1,000 languages. It is by far the most diverse, complex, and isolated mission field on earth. Pacific Oceana hosts every ism in the religious spectrum. Animism, nominalism, secularism, atheism, Hinduism, Mormonism, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism are all found in Pacific Oceana. Our ministry context vary from massive Modern cities, you may know them, Auckland, Brisbane, Sydney, to tiny jungle villages where the children of cannibals still fearfully worship ancestral spirits. Renee and I are honored to lead a rapidly growing team of missionaries across the Pacific. I want to talk to you today about a tribe in Vanuatu, the Northern Sa. They live in the rugged mountains in South Pentecost. They're famous for a ceremony ceremony called Nangal. It's an appeal to the yam god for an abundant harvest. 
It involves the construction of 100-foot towers, men leaping from platforms with only vines tied around their ankles to break their fall. Heartbroken that a tribe on an island named Pentecost remained unreached, we determined to plant churches among them. The process started in 2009. Pastor Falau, Stephen and Kara Jager trekked all over South Pentecost, seeking the best location for our initial outreach. In 2010, a healthcare ministries team followed the trail they blazed, ministered to 500 tribespeople in four different villages. Years of follow-up labor resulted in the first church being dedicated in a village called Hataplan Bush. I described that day in my journal. I wrote, the floor is dirt. The benches are lengths of bamboo. Brightly flowered cloth walls hide the rough woven bamboo exterior. Light shoots through this lattice work and splashes randomly across the benches and the floor. A small raised platform of dirt hosts a pulpit crafted from a massive slab of rosewood. A shaft of light floods through a window high above the platform, illuminating the open Bible on the pulpit. When it came time to preach, I stood behind the humble pulpit, felt the weight of the sunlight as it streamed from above. Before me, every bench is crammed to capacity. All along the walls, faces peer through the latticework windows. Beyond the open door, clusters of men and women sit in the shade of a Namambe tree. I preach on lessons from the eternal nature of God. When I make the altar call, men, women, boys, girls crowd around the altar, calling out to the eternal God. Far out in the churchyard, I see a young man rise and head for the church door. Dropping his basket at the door, he strides up the aisle with determined steps. He stops in the center of the altar area, directly before the pulpit. As he stands sobbing in repentance, the shaft of light from the window above strikes his face, making his tears glisten. I cannot imagine a better first service. Tragically, shortly afterwards, tribal conflict resulted in the church and the entire village being burned to the ground. The new believers were scattered into the territory of surrounding tribes and told never to return. I met with the 23 chiefs of the tribe. My message was simple. God loves you. We love you. We are not going away. I asked to plant another church. They refused. I asked to build a school. They refused. They did, however, invite me to build a medical clinic just outside the village of Palmeal. The paramount chief arranged a ceremony. A cow was killed. Speeches were made. Together, we walked off the boundaries for what would become Hope Clinic Pentecost. November 2019, I took a team of doctors and dentists to hold some medical outreach in the nearly completed Hope Clinic. Chief Wabak welcomed me with the news that all the chiefs who had opposed the planting of new churches had passed away. Missionary, he told me, you can do anything you want to do. Hope had come to Pentecost. April 2020, 
Cyclone Herald pounded Pentecost for six hours with winds in excess of 200 miles per hour. Hope Clinic was completely, totally destroyed. Satan thought he had won. He thought he would keep the northern saw in darkness. He thought hope was vanquished. He did not win. He will not keep them in darkness. He cannot hold back hope. Today, I am asking you to rebuild hope in Pentecost. I dream of nothing less than a modern medical dental clinic in the midst of a Stone Age tribe. I dream of high-quality medical care, providing a tangible expression of Christ's love in the middle of darkness. I dream of hope for Pentecost. It won't be cheap. It will have both a physical and a fiscal cost. Missionaries like Reagan Newhouse, Tom and Rachel Pito, they are ready and willing to serve the Northern Saw. They're happy to leave behind their homelands and families to invade the darkness with the marvelous light of the gospel. They're ready to pay that physical cost. Will you help them with the fiscal cost? Creating a storm, earthquake, modern medical dental clinic will cost us $100,000. Maybe you're saying, no, that's impossible. Let me trust you something. The, the, the God that we serve is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. I promise you, his dreams are bigger than mine. The only question that we have to resolve here today is how much of this incredible opportunity do you want? Today, what will you do? Now, I told pastor last night, he asked me, he said, Brian, how much do you need? I said, we need about seven. Well, not about, we need $7,000 to reach our goal. And uh, if this morning, if you give 7,000, I'll shout glory. And uh, if you give 20,000, here's what we'll do. We'll make it better. No, 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 no. There is no reason why we have to do things at the bare minimum level. This is the kingdom of God. We're ambassadors of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I mean, we might as well just make this. We might as well just go all out. What do you think? So feel free. If you want to give 20, 25, we'll be great with that. Hallelujah. Uh, I want to mention something real quick before I preach. Uh, this is a couple of books I've written. This one is called Hungry Devils and Other Tales from Vanuatu. Uh, this one here is called uh, The Sons of Cannibals. If you like missionary stories, you'll like them. They're just uh, 50 missionary stories each. We, we affectionately refer to these as the pay our kids way to college fund. All right. I'm quite serious about this. This is my daughter, Alicia, four years, debt-free, praise God. Yeah. This is my son, Brian, four years, debt-free, praise God. That's fantastic. Now, the problem is I have a third son in Bible school right now. All right, so here's how it works. If you guys buy enough copies of these two books, I don't have to write a third book. It's a, it's a good deal. You can come by out there, you can give you cash, you can give you your credit card, your check, it doesn't matter. Uh, we, we're happy to take care of you back there. But um, 
You know, we, were, we were doing a, a church plant in a little village down in South Tana called Irrawangan. And uh, they had me and about 20 pastors staying in this little tin shack while we were doing the church plant. And, and the shack came equipped with rats. And the rats were about the size of cats. And what would happen is at night, the rats would get up in the rafters above your head and they would fight. And the loser would fall. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but when a rat falls beside my head in the middle of the night, it wakes me up. And then there's a particular room that I have to use. And in this case, the room was an outhouse about 50 feet away from the shack. And uh, so I don't know how familiar you are with outhouses. Let me give you three quick rules for when you come to visit me, okay? The, the first rule, Pastor, I hope I'm okay here. The first rule is you, you sing as you go. There is no door there. If you're lucky, there's a curtain. And, and sometimes folks use it when they forgot their toilet paper. We call it a weighted curtain, right? So, so you're not going to go knock on the door. You're going to sing a song. And if somebody joins you on the chorus, you're going to turn around and head back to the house, right? So you, you sing as you go. The second one is you, you exercise light discipline. Look, I know you like light. I appreciate that. Let, let me, just trust me on this one. There are thousands of four-inch cockroaches that live down there in that pit. And if your light hits that hole, they will swarm up out of the abyss. And then it is extremely difficult to sit down and relax enough. To, you, you just keep... You keep getting these sensations. Huh? No, some of y'all are feeling those sensations right now, right? It's a, so you, you use your light to get you to the weighted curtain, but then you turn it off before you step through. The third thing is the prayer. Listen, missionaries are serious when we pray over our food. We are serious when we pray over our toilet seats. I got it down almost to a mantra. I say, oh God, sanctify this seat. It works. I'm still alive, right? So, so, so I don't want to paint you too graphic of a picture, but I, I stumble my way to the doorway. It is pouring rain. So I tuck my toilet paper up underneath my door, my, my, my arm there because it doesn't do much good once it gets wet, right? And, and, I, and, I, and I make the dash through the rain and I got my flashlight and I'm singing my song and nobody joins me on the chorus. So when I get to the weighted curtain, I, I turn off my light and I put my flashlight between my teeth because I need both hands free and I'm passing behind the weighted curtain and I'm pulling my trousers. It's just like, like, like go in, turn around, sit down. This is one smooth motion right? There's no, you just, you just go. And as I, as I sit down there on that wooden throne, I feel something and it's warm and it's hairy. And if you want to know what was in the outhouse with me, you're gonna have to buy a copy of the books. Did that work? Yeah. And if we run out this morning, that's okay. You can get it on Amazon too. That'll work. Just great. Hey, grab your Bibles. Let's go to Matthew chapter 28. And I'm going to read a very, very familiar passage. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Um, you've heard it a thousand times. It's a great commission. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
You ever pull up behind somebody at the stoplight and, uh, and their head's down and the thumb is working? And that's okay as long as the light is red. But when the light turns green, huh? And their head is still down, then what are you gonna do? Yeah, this is a test of sanctification. Huh? If, you, if, if you're sanctified, it's just a little beep, beep, right? But, uh, but if, you, if you honk the horn and they still don't move, then what? If you're like me, you want to stick your head out the window and say, hey, green means... Yes, it is awful when somebody misses the signal. It is worse when the church misses the signal. Yeah, I studied the 40 days from the resurrection to the ascension of Jesus Christ, and I found 32 distinct ways in which the church is to go. Now, I'm not going to give you all 32 this morning, but I want to give you a, first, a few of them. And the first one is here in the Great Commission. If I were going to summarize the Great Commission in two words, I would simply say, go everywhere. Go everywhere. You know, I, I, I've had more than one scholar pull me aside and say, Brian, you're misunderstanding this passage. In the Greek, the, uh, the imperative is not in the going. The imperative is in the making of disciples. Well, listen, I'm all about making disciples. Did you happen to notice where Jesus told us to make disciples? He told us to make disciples of all nations. And if we're going to make disciples of all nations, then someone has got to go. So the going, the going is important, but can I tell you the, the telling is important as well? No, I mean, have you ever heard anybody say, uh, preach the gospel? If necessary, use words. Huh? Oh, it sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, what we're saying is live such a good Christian life that your neighbors will see Jesus in you and want to know Kim. And can I tell you something? That only works in a context where people know who Jesus is. If, if we're going to go and take the gospel to all nations, then we have got to tell. Listen, this world desperately needs to know, must know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he was born of a virgin. That he lived a sinless life. That he died for our sins. That he rose again on the third day. That he ascended to the right hand of the Father. That he is praying for you right now. And that soon he's coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We, we must go and we must tell. So the going matters, the telling matters, but can I tell you, everywhere matters. A while back, Renee and I went to a little island called Kosherai. Y'all know where Kosherai is? Where's my Palauan friend? They, they will know where Kosherai is. No, I'm going to tell you, when, you, when you're going to go to Kosherai, what you got to do is you got to go from here to Honolulu. And when you leave Honolulu, then you got to go to Madril. And when you leave Madril, then you go over to Kwajalein. And when you leave Kwajalein, then you take a flight down to Kosherai. The, the speed limit in Kosherai is 20 miles an hour, and you can drive all the way the, around the entire island in less than an hour. There are something like 6,000 Koshrayans in the world. They're so far away from every other island, you're trying to figure out how on earth did we ever get Koshrayans in the first place? 
But guess what? Renee and I went there and we worshiped with them. And the same Holy Spirit that was moving in our service here this morning was moving in their service there. Why? Because to God, everywhere matters. There is no place too small. There is no number too few. I, I want to give you another one. It's found in John chapter 20, verse number 23. Jesus is talking to the disciples here, and he said, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them, and if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, guys, I grew up in church. Let me clarify what I mean. But church on Sunday morning, youth service on Sunday afternoon, service on Sunday night, Royal Rangers and Missionettes on Tuesday night, service on Wednesday night, visitation on Thursday night, and an evangelistic service on Saturday night. And if we wanted to be spiritual, we added two nights to that and we called it revival. And we had revival at least four times a year. And most of the time it was for two weeks and sometimes it went for six weeks. So most of the time we were in church. And I've heard thousands of sermons and I never heard anybody preach on this passage. It does not fit our theology. I don't know about you, I always assumed one of the translators was a closet Catholic and he just slipped this verse in there to justify the confessional, right? Never understood it. A while back I had the opportunity to be in Tibet and uh, they took me up into this little mountain valley because as I said, there's a group of people there called the Pumi. And they said, Brian, there's no churches and there's no Christians among the Pumi. And they said, we, we want you to write about it so that people like you will read about it and the Holy Spirit will challenge you and you'll go do something about it. And so they, they took me into this little village and they, they brought me to this log cabin. And they told me, they said, the, the same family has lived in this log cabin for the last hundred years. Now it was a log cabin, but it had big double doors and red clay tile roof with ski jumps in the corners, you know. We, we opened up those double doors and, and I stepped through and the first row of, of rooms on each side are the hog pens. And I step past the hog pens and I, and I go into a courtyard and there's a duck comes at me this way and a chicken comes at me that way and there's a water buffalo standing in the middle there chewing its cud. This is a, this is a unique experience. Over on the left hand side is that, that kitchen. That little poomy lady invited me into her kitchen. I want you to imagine a, a kitchen where an open pit fire has been burning continuously for a hundred years. Every surface is covered with smoke and creosote. And, and, and on the right-hand side of that, that room was a little bench. I sit down there, there's, a, there's a, like a coffee table in front of me. And then, then there's that open pit fire. Behind the fire is a shrine. And as that lady, she prepares me a small plate of food and she, she brings it to me. She, she drops some of the meat off into the fire in front of the shrine. And I asked her, I said, Auntie, who are you offering those sacrifices to? She said, I'm offering them to the king of hell. Now, you can Google the king of hell in Tibetan Buddhism. You can look at his face after service, but I can describe him for you. He has a leering face. He wears a, a crown of human skulls. He, he holds a, a blood-stained knife in one hand, a severed human head in the other. He's depicted standing astride a human corpse and encircled in flames. They believe that he guards the entrance to hell. I said, auntie, Why? Why would you offer sacrifices to the king of hell? 
She said, well, I know there are other gods, but they are too high for me. Only he can hear my prayers. So I offer him sacrifices in the hopes that when I die and when I go to hell, he will be kind to me. I cannot imagine a more bleak perspective of eternity. Can I tell you, he laughs at her prayers, he scoffs at her sacrifices, and he will not be kind to her. And the tragedy of her story is that God is too high for her. And he's too high for me, and he's too high for you. And that's why when our best efforts to be a righteous person fell miserably short, God wrapped himself in human flesh, and he walked among us, and he opened a door so that we could have reconciliation with him. That's why our message must be told. And you say to me, Brian, what would it take? I'm so glad you asked. Here's what it will take. You will need to resign your job. You will need to go to the far side of the world. You're going to need to learn Pumi and learn the culture. And you're going to need to drink cups of green tea until finally the conversation turns to Jesus. No, I'm dead serious about this. Some of you who are successful... You need to give it all up. And he said, Brian, if I do that, if I do that, if I leave my family, if I leave my job, if I leave Chicago, will she believe? And the answer is, I don't know. No, I'm serious. Maybe she will, maybe she won't, but I'll make you a promise. If she doesn't believe, one of her neighbors will. And then another one, and then another one, and then another one. And you'll, you'll gather this little group of believers together. You'll start teaching them the word of God. And something, something magnificent is going to happen. Because they're going to start they're going to start singing. And they're going to start worshiping. And a language that has been used to whisper prayers to the king of hell is going to be used to sing praises to the king of kings. Because the church of Jesus Christ, it is militant. It is triumphant. It has worked everywhere it's ever been tried no 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 listen to me what is lacking here is not the power of the gospel what is lacking here is not the work of the holy spirit to draw men to jesus christ what is lacking here is the goer will you go as i sat there in her in her kitchen i noticed that the walls were covered with these white ovals and I asked her, I said, Auntie, what, what's the meaning of these, of these white ovals? She said, well, it's our tradition. Chinese New Year. Every person living in the home dips their thumb into white paint and they press it against the wall. I, I'm going to tell you, there was long, skinny ovals and there were short, fat ones. Huh? There were little bitty baby ones. There were, there were ones that were crisp and clear and there were others so covered with creosote you could barely make out the outline. But as I looked at them, the Holy Spirit illuminated this passage and I understood it for the first time. He said, Brian, this is a genealogy of the unforgiven. These are the ones my church has withheld forgiveness from. 
And I understand that you have never maliciously withheld forgiveness from anyone. But listen, there is only one means of forgiveness of sins. And it is believing on Jesus Christ. And you know that. And they don't. And as long as they don't know, you and I are withholding that from them. Hallelujah. Let's go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I don't think I gave the, the, the media folks this verse, so forgive me. It's, it's verses three through eight. It says, so Peter went out with the other disciple. They were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Stooping to look in, he saw linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been in Jesus' head not lying with the other cloths but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and he believed. This is an incredible passage. The disciples have just heard the news of Jesus' resurrection. They run down to see the empty tomb. You realize that thousands of people travel to Jerusalem every year and, and, and spend thousands of dollars. It's for the privilege of standing in an empty hole in the ground that might have been the tomb. You understand what I'm saying to you? I mean, it's a huge thing. Christians, millions have visited it. In the, in the thing, maybe this is where John, John had the opportunity to be the first Person, no, not the first person because Mary went in first. The first man ever to step into the empty tomb. It wasn't a maybe for him. He had laid the body of Jesus there. He knew this was the tomb. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and I don't know, I imagine, I imagine uh, you know, John kind of looking like our pastor and, 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 and Peter looking a little more like me, you know, a little, little chunkier. And, and they take off running together, you know, and, and, and Peter's running. But John, John outpaces him and, and Peter's coming behind huffing and puffing. But, but John, John gets to the tomb and he runs up to the tomb and he did not go in. And then Peter blows past him. And then John goes in and he sees and he believes. So let me talk to you just a second about, about going in. The, the cause of John's hesitation is unknowable. We can speculate, but we cannot answer definitively. But listen to me about hesitation. Hesitation is okay as long as you don't stay outside. Sooner or later, to move forward in your faith walk with God, you must go in. No, no, you may be sitting here this morning and, you, and you're saying, you're talking about Jesus and you're talking about forgiveness of sin and I've been on the edge of this thing for a long time and I've been interested, but I'm not. Listen to me, today what you need to do is you just need to take that step of faith and go in and believe on Jesus Christ. No, listen to me. Some of you guys, you've been on the edge of missions for a long time. Pastor's been talking about it, been promoting it to church. You have the mission celebration Sunday, and you've been like, next time I'm going to give a pledge. Next time I'm going to give. Some of y'all have been like, next time I'm going to go. And what you need to do is just go in. Now, going in looks different for different people. That's okay. You can be like Peter. You can go in quick. You can be like John, you can go in slow. It doesn't 
doesn't matter how you go in. I don't care how you go in. Just go in. Going in precedes belief. Look, look, can you imagine the emotions stirring in John's heart in that moment as he was trying to decide, do I go in or not? Huh? And he just didn't believe. But when he went in, huh? You understand? He went in, he saw, can I just, can I just bring this down to mission celebration level? Pastor is saying, you know what you need to do? You need to be part of the Great Commission. You need to commit by faith, I'm gonna give this much every month for the next six months. And some of you are like, I don't believe I can. I don't believe I can. You know the average American spends between 90 and 120% of their income every month? Well, yeah, I get it. If you're spending 120% of your income every month, I get what you're sitting there saying, well, I don't think I can. I don't think I can. Well, I, I, let, me, let me give you a recommendation. Just take that piece of paper, listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you, write it down. There's no bill collector coming to, to get the money from you if you don't make it, okay? Write it down. Just go in because going in precedes belief. You go in and God's going to meet you there. Hallelujah. Okay. I'm going to give you just one more. Is that okay, Pastor? Am I good? Let me find the one I want to give you. Yeah, John chapter 21, verse three. Like I said, I got 32 of these. So I got to pick which ones, right? Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. Now, this is, uh, this is to me is, is just an incredible passage. I don't know how you envision the 40 days from the resurrection to the ascension. I guess I had always assumed that Jesus was with the disciples all day long, every day for 40 days. I mean, they had breakfast together and they had lunch and they sit up late at night talking and they just had a good time. That's the way I thought it was, but it wasn't that way. If you, if you read the book of, of John, he brings out a particular, matter of fact, in one place he says, and, and, and I believe it says, and eight days later, he appeared to them again. I, have, you ever, have you ever been reading a really good book? Not, po, not promo me my book here. That's not, but you ever been reading a really good book and you come to a blank page and there's a misprint here. Something's wrong. You're right in the middle of a catching part of the story and there's a blank page. And you, and you turn and there's another blank page. And another one. And then finally, you, you come to text again, but, oh, there's something missing. No, that's what, that was 2020, right? No, it really was. That's where the disciples were. They had followed Jesus for three years, the expectation he would be the king of Israel. He wasn't. He was crucified. Now they hide, expecting that they are next to be crucified. They weren't. He rose from the dead. Huh? Now they're celebrating, and one of them even dares ask the question, Lord, how about now? Is now the time to restore the kingdom to Israel? Huh? But in the middle of all this emotional up and down, Jesus walks out of the room, and they don't know where he's at. And days pass, like blank pages on a book, and they don't know where he's at. And in one of these blank pages, page days 
Peter gets discouraged and he says, I am going fishing. This was not a recreational day to go fishing. This was Peter saying, I've given up on this follow Jesus thing. I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to the family business. I'm going fishing. And the other disciples, listen, not all of them were from a fishing background. But their answer to Peter was phenomenal. They said, we will go with you. And in so doing, they set a precedent that Christians follow to this day. And it's very simply, Christians go together. Amen. That's why you're here this morning. You ever heard anybody say, I can worship God just as good at the lake? So can I. You ought to hear me preach out there. Man, I can have fun. No, no, the, the point of this is I can worship God just as good in my living room. I can worship God just as good at the lake. But I cannot encourage my brother who is down. I cannot then lay hands on my sister who is sick. I can't minister to other people. And so, so Christians go together. Amen. Hallelujah. I got in trouble the other day. I, I talked about tithes and offerings, and the pastor told me, he said, we don't do tithes around here. So if I'm, if I'm, in, if I'm crossing a line, y'all forgive me here. But, but we do this thing as Christians called tithes, and we do this thing as Christians called offerings, where we, where we give. And, and you say, Brian, why do we do that? Because we, we can look around here and we can say, wow, there's some things that need to happen at Belmont Assembly of God that I can't do by myself and you can't do by yourself, but if we will go together we can get it done hallelujah you know that's what that's what a missionary offering is that's what a missionary faith promise is it is going together this is not this is not a bless their heart offering huh no, I mean, we slept on dirt floors. We used outhouses. We took our baths in rivers for 20 years. I, I've seen it. I've seen that little lady punching her husband with her elbow, saying, bless your heart, give that lady an offering. Huh? Bless her heart. This is, not, this is not bless our hearts. What you're doing is every dollar represents an amount of your time. And you are saying, God, I'm going to go with that missionary this many hours this week. And you are welcome to come with us as much as you want to. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, one of the countries that I'm responsible for now is the Solomon Islands. If you know World War II history, the, the Japanese army was, was rolling through the Pacific and no one could stop them until the U.S. Navy dropped the 1st Marine Division on a little island called Guadalcanal. There was an airport under construction. They were told to seize the field and to hold it. And, and they recognized that to hold that ground, they would have to hold the high ground above it. Today it's called Bloody Ridge. It is no wider than this auditorium. Matter of fact, in some places it's narrower. It starts almost at the coast. It runs inland for a couple of miles before dropping off into this saddle. And then it goes up into the mountainous interior of Guadalcanal. Those Marines spread themselves out along Bloody Ridge. 
They were outnumbered 10 to 1. They did not have adequate supplies and, and, and ammunition. One of them told me about going down. I talked to one of the men who fought there. He talked to me about going down and stealing food and ammunition from the Japanese camp so that they would have what they needed to continue to fight. And, and I went and I, and I stood in their foxholes. I just wanted to soak it up. And that last foxhole at the very end, there was two men, two, two uh, Marines in that foxhole. And they were manning a 50 caliber machine gun. And their job was to create a wall of lead over that pass so that no Japanese soldiers could pass through. Early in the fight, a Japanese soldier threw a hand grenade into their foxhole. It blinded one of the Marines. It severed another one's thumb. For five hours, unrelieved, those two men held their position. The blind man firing the machine gun and the lame man telling him where to fire. Alone, neither one of them could complete their mission. But together, they changed the tide of a battle. They changed the course of a war. They altered history. And when you and I look at the, the, the world and the, and the two plus billion people who have no one who speaks their language that can tell them the story of Jesus Christ, it seems overwhelming. And, and truthfully, me by myself, I cannot change it. And you by yourself, you cannot change it. But if we will go together, we can change the eternal destinies of men and women, of nations and tribes and peoples. You said, Brian, what does it mean to go together? I'm very glad you asked. It means to go together in prayer. Yeah. A.N. Trotter, once he was no longer able to return to the mission field, he said, my wife and I travel around the world every morning on our knees. We need men and women who will stand with us in prayer. Going together. Oh, you got that faith promise form in your hand. That's how you're going to do it. You're going to fill that out. You're going to say, as God enables me. I am going to give this amount every month. You're going to go together with us. No, but I want to take it a little bit further. Listen to me. Some of you going together means you need to go down to the post office. You need to get an application for a passport. You need to fill it out. You need to get on that plane. You need to go together with us. Would you bow your heads for just a second? Father, I love you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this incredible opportunity to be here in Belmont, Assembly of God. God, I ask your Holy Spirit, hover over this auditorium right now. We are here for you. God, we, we not only want you to do what you do, but we want to do what you want us to do. So God, I pray that you would help us to have responsive hearts to you today that we would be quick to say yes to you. Whether that means entering into relationship with you for the first time, or, or whether that means filling out a pledge form and, and agreeing to go together with missionaries financially. But God, my prayer is that there would be one here today listening to me that you would call, that you would choose for yourself, that you would answer and say, here am I, Lord.
Send me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor. Yeah. yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Here's what we're going to do. Brian, uh, Joe, why don't you guys go out to your table? We'll get there and the people come uh, to see you in, a, in just a minute. But while they're doing that, here's how we're going to close out our service today. As you know, we haven't been taking physical offering. The ushers, uh, they stand with a bucket in the back. And normally during mission celebration, we would take two offerings, a regular offering and an offering just for missions. But we're not going to do that today. We're just going to ask you, either here, there are envelopes in front of you in the chair that you can uh, make an offering and designate it for missions. Or if you are with us online, you can give uh, uh, as you normally do online and just again designate your offering towards missions. Uh, the faith promise cards, if you have those, that's a commitment, as you mentioned, that uh, for the next six months, what you believe, what God is speaking into your heart, that you can put aside to give towards mission. And we give 100% of that towards missions. We are, as we've mentioned in the past, about 60 missionaries around the globe. We support and we want to continue to do that and do more. And we do that as we partner together, as we go together to use our the phrase from our, our brother's message and uh, last night at dinner as I heard his heart I committed our church to reaching at minimum that $7,000 uh, we're going to help him finish that building I uh, believe to believe God that uh, we're going to see that can you imagine in a place that has never heard the gospel that it's called Pentecost, uh, the, the, that place and uh, that little town, and we're going to see God do some amazing things. We're going to go together with our brother and help him to do that. Father, I just come before you right now in this offering that we are looking to receive. We want to just honor you we want to go together with these precious men and women that you have called up, that you have raised up. We want to go with them. We want to reach the lost with the precious gospel of Jesus Christ. Speak to hearts now, God. So what it is that you want us to commit to these special projects, to supporting these missionaries, even on a monthly basis, Father. And we thank you. We thank you for this honor and privilege to go together. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, so remember, as you get, uh, go out there, you can pick up these books and help our brother too in that regard. That would be a great blessing to them. We dismiss you in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a wonderful day in Christ. God bless you.